0: This is fake Sean Connery. And you... (laughs) And you are listening to the podcast that dares not speak its name. With Rish Outfield. What? What did you say? I said your name, Rish Outfield. Why? What's going on? Is it telephone for me? No, it never is. I'm doing you a favor, actually, and recording your podcast. You are? Okay, thanks, man. Now don't you go back to sleep. Jesus, it's... Oh, I'm not even going to say what time it is. Needless to say, the sun has been up a considerable long time, and Rish has not. Rish, come on over here. Take over for me. I can't do this, this, this thing on my own. Did you say he couldn't do something? You needed help with something? That doesn't sound like you at all. No, you heard wrong, you sleepy bastard. Here, take this. What is it? It's a phallic symbol, you twisted mission thrope. It's a microphone. Here. Hey, everybody. This is Rish, and, uh... I had no plans on, uh, to do a, a podcast that dares not speak its name. I... It's, uh, Wow, yeah, you've caught me uh, unprepared. Oh, wait, why, why are we doing this? Look at the calendar. Calendar. Oh, is it Friday the 13th? You wish. It's Valentine's Day. Week. Or month. Depending on when you put this out. Oh, no, no, not Valentine's Day, man. Yes, Valentine's Day, man. And you ought to do something for it. Like share a story. Okay. Oh, I thought I'd have to twist your arm a little. No, you're already recording. You already got this thing started. You did the heavy lifting. I did the heavy lifting. You are going to edit this episode. You're not going to have Keith Teklitz do it or something. No, no, only a depraved psycho would have Keith Teklitz edit their podcast. I'll do it. I just, I I don't like Valentine's Day. No, what a shock. You losers are always going on and on about Valentine's Day. Yeah, what 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 are we losers always saying? That it's an invented holiday and that it's bollocks and that, I don't know, some cynical sour grapes thing. Fill in the blank. Well, yeah, all of those things are true. But that doesn't mean that it's not special to a lot of other people. Uh, and if you're in a relationship, I, I would imagine it's it's nice. Listen to the way you delivered that line. Keanu Reeves could have delivered it more naturally. Yeah, but that doesn't make it untrue. If you've got a spouse or a significant other or like one of those people that you tie up from time to time, then, hey, have a good Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day would be neat, I imagine. So what is the story that I'm doing today? You're doing a story, a short story, a very short story called doorstop valentine doorstop door valentine yes that doesn't ring a bell who wrote it you wrote it you daft prong I, dude I've never written a story called doorstop valentine It. just a moment no it's not doorstop valentine it's doorstep valentine wow you really struggled with that title Yes, perhaps I did a little bit. But Doorstep Valentine by Rish Outfield. It's a very short story. Why don't you read it? Well, because I didn't write a story called Doorstep Valentine. If you wrote a story called Doorstep Valentine, I'm going to end up getting, you know, well, something unfortunate happened to me halfway through the story, and then you'll laugh that really weird Daryl Hammond laugh of yours. I would never do that to you, Rish. No, I've got it right in front of me. Here, look. Whose byline is on it? It says Rich Outfield, but I... Oh, that's interesting. The What the... interesting? Certainly not the story. <laughs> uh, no, the name of the main character. And? Well, the second sentence has another name. You know, if I didn't know better, I'd say I did write this story. You don't know better. You did write it. Okay, well, I have no memory of writing it. Okay. I, I, I have no memory of bedding your Aunt Lucy, but clearly because, I did. No, 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 just, I really have to think about it. Let me read the story, and then we'll talk about whether I wrote it or not, okay? Yes. Since it's your idea, go, go right ahead. Doorstep Valentine Valentine's Day had been a slog for Cameron Harrell. He'd worked his regular shift, then pulled a double, as Sharon, his co-worker, called and asked if he would cover for her. Seems her boyfriend had dropped his anti-Valentine policy at the last minute, and she regretted volunteering to work. So Cameron had been all day manning the phones at Central and Southern Insurance, with only vending machine food and the world's worst coffee to sustain him. Maybe the galaxy's worst coffee if they had any on Mars or Neptune. He had logged off the phone, grabbed his jacket, and headed out to the parking lot at 8.03 and was back home a half hour later, a sack of Chinese takeout in his hand. He trudged up the stairs to his apartment and shifted the dinner to his left hand as he removed his keys. A little package was sitting in front of his apartment door. There was a communal mailbox down in the lobby, so it hadn't been brought up by the postman but this wasn't mail. It was a white paper bag with a red ribbon on it, and a little heart stapled to the ribbon. Cameron picked up the bag. The heart had his name written on it, in flowery, feminine lettering. To his surprise, he found himself smiling. Cameron Hurrell was a very large man, six foot five, nearly three hundred pounds, receding black hair, and skin as dark as the toxic coffee at CNS Insurance. He hadn't had a girlfriend in about four years, and it had been longer since he'd had a sweetheart on Valentine's Day, the hallmark holiday of blackmailed flowers, chocolates, and jewelry. So he hadn't expected a valentine this year, and it was nice to see one there. He thought about his neighbors and who might have placed this here. To his left were the Patel's, who surely didn't celebrate any American holidays, and the bag hardly smelled of curry, so it ruled out Doral, their attractive daughter. Across the hall was empty, and to his right was Mrs. O'Shea, the landlady. She liked him well enough, and he figured she had left the valentine. He unlocked his door and entered the apartment. He flipped on the light, and Rosie, his cockatiel, began to squawk. Saddle. He grunted, it's just me. He sat down at his table, and though he was starving, didn't open the Chinese food first. Instead, he opened up his valentine bag. He smiled wide when he saw the handmade box inside, made of red construction paper and decorated with hearts and flowers. He took out the box, seeing the words, you and me, on the lid. Me and you, he muttered and removed the lid. There was a tiny little piece of cake inside, and the box collapsed without its lid, spilling the cake onto the table and floor. Cameron's bird made a noise not unlike a laugh from across the apartment. He stooped to clean up the cake, then paused. He looked at the message inside the box. The construction paper made a cross shape, with writing on the top and bottom sections, and photos on the right and left. He was in those photos. The first was of him and a girl he didn't know, standing arm in arm by a pond. Both were smiling, both wearing T-shirts and shorts. Cameron never wore shorts. The second photo was just his face and the girl's face, close together, posing for the camera. Underneath was the inscription, Hugs and Kisses. He didn't recognize this girl. Cameron muttered something unfriendly and read the text on top of the valentine. I will cherish our friendship and love you today, tomorrow, and forever. Below it was much smaller text. Cameron, we have been together for 999 days and counting. Thank you for being such a wonderful friend and partner, showing me your beautiful love through thick and thin, and making me happy. Annabeth. Annabeth, he said to the room. I don't know any Annabeth. He held the photos close to his eyes, struggling to recognize the woman there, "'Neither the face nor the name was familiar. "'But the shirt he was wearing in that second picture was definitely his. "'This was beyond strange. "'It was almost scary. "'Like when Bella at his last job had gotten those weird flower deliveries "'and it turned out to be from her stepbrother. "'Annabeth,' he said again. "'The girl wasn't unattractive. "'She had lighter skin than he did.' but the same black hair, the same style of glasses, as though they'd picked them out together. The two of them looked insanely happy. He shook his head. He didn't think these were photos of him that had been doctored in some way, especially the one of him in shorts. He didn't have the body or the confidence for shorts. He looked on the back of the valentine. There was a handwritten message there. Sorry, we have to be apart on V-Day. Give me a call when you get this. Cute. He would totally call, if she had thought to write her number on there. But why would she need to? They'd been together for 999 days. This was too weird. Rosie? Cameron asked the cockatiel in its cage. You know any Annabeths? Immediately, the bird began to bob its head, as though nodding. The bird always did that, though, when you said its name. Cameron cleaned up the cake, not quite daring to eat it, and set it aside. His stomach grumbled, and he opened his Chinese takeout and scarfed it down. He kept glancing at that valentine, made with patience and dedication and love. What was he missing? Cameron grabbed a beer from his fridge and swallowed most of it in one gulp. Then he went back and finished his dinner. He couldn't think of an explanation, at least not any that didn't mean he, or this girl, or the world, was crazy. His beer was empty, and he moved on to the fortune cookie. He cracked it open and read the little slip of paper. Her number's 3102044864, dumbass, it read. How could you forget? Okay, and we're back. Have you made a decision? What about killing myself? No, I'm not going to do it. That's not the decision I... First, you should rethink that. But second, no, whether the story was written by you or not. Well, it it, it says that it was written by me. It says that it was, yes. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember writing this story. I guess we can talk about it for a few minutes. But I, I discovered this story on my computer a couple weeks back. And I was just like, oh, da, 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 da. "door doorstep valentine. That is weird. Doorstep valentine. And I looked and I figured maybe it would be a poem or maybe it would be like the idea for a story. You know, like, hey, maybe I could write a story about a doorstep valentine. But it wasn't. It was a story. I mean, or or whatever. you, If you don't feel like that qualified, what you just heard. And I I read it. I sat down and I read it all the way through, and I didn't know where it was going, and I had no memory of writing it. None. I wish that I could help out and say, okay, I did some research, and here's what the answer is. But I, I don't. I don't have any answers. Here's the thing. I know that I wrote it, besides the fact that it says my name on it, because all of the characters are named after people that I worked with and my job in L.A. The main character uh, is named after a guy, Brandon, who I worked with, who was a big, heavy-set black guy. Very, very cool, very friendly. He always had nice things to say about everybody. He was a decent, jovial, good guy. He's still my friend on Facebook, which... Blows my mind because, A, why would you even accept a friend request from somebody who, you know, left the company in shame, if not shackles like I did, and uh, who you haven't seen in all these years. But I see him post on Facebook all the time, and sometimes he comments on my posts like we are really friends still. And that's amazing because it's been a long, long time. And people that I grew up with, people that I, you know, slept over at their house or played, you know, Star Wars guys with or whatever. Oh, they're not my friends on Facebook. They aren't still connected to me. But, you know, Sharon, I worked with her at the same company. Uh, There was Rosie. The uh, okay, so we were all on a team together. Uh, I guess that's what you'd call it. And Brandon was the head of the team and it was me and Sharon and a girl named Rosie and two sorry two other people. And their names are in here. So I not only know that I wrote it, but I, I know when I must have written it. But still, no memory. And if we think about why I wrote it, I looked it over before I re- read it. And if you took out Rish Outfield from the document... So it was just doorstep Valentine. Valentine's Day had been a slog for Cameron Harrell. It's exactly a thousand words. Exactly. That can't be a coincidence. Wait, just a second. Should I do the the math? No, just let them take your word for it. Don't do the bloody math. Okay, so so I did a, a word count. Yeah, it's 1,002 words. But the two... Our doorstep and valentine. Those are the two extra words. So like I said, exactly a thousand. And there's no way that that's an accident. I had to have written this for a contest or for a publication of some sort. And their requirements were a thousand words or less. Which also makes me wonder, well, why isn't there like a longer version? Why? Because a lot of... Yeah. Mm. 11 in the morning. Yawn it up, boy, because a lot of times I'll have an idea for a short story, and i I will write it, then I'll have to pare it down to get it to the length that is required for these contests, and sometimes that's difficult, sometimes it's all right, sometimes it's insanely difficult, but I'm trying to remember if I've ever written a story where like the you know it has to be five hundred words. And I wrote a story and it was 480 or something like that, where it's just like, wow, hey, I, I, I don't know. But around the time that I was writing this story, well, around the time that I must have written this story, there was a website where they would have these contests and they would show a photograph and you had to write a story inspired by that photograph. And I've done at least one episode. I did Halloween night, where it was one of those stories let me just look and see since i'm here what since you're here you know what i'm saying i suppose i do okay so halloween night message board that was a story where there was a the picture was of a ouija board with some kind of energy coming out of it i remember that there was a chewbacca song i wrote that's weird Turn on your hot light Let it shine wherever you go Let it make a happy glow For all the world to see uh, There's one called Avid Reader And I remember uh, it was it had a picture of a boy And he was opening a book And I think a hand was coming out of the book For him Lemon Pledge Which is an unfortunate title But there was a photo of a body bag I think that was it. It was just a body bag. And I remember thinking that that was a pretty good story. Uh, of course I didn't win the contest. The Visitor, I did share that one on the Rish Outcast uh, as well. That one is, was of a, a drawing of an old lady and a child and the Grim Reaper standing together. There was a story that Big ran on the Steve and I believe he called it naughty or nice, and that was written for that, uh, where there was a drawing of a head—not a drawing, a photograph of headstones in a cemetery that had been decorated with Christmas lights. Uh, there's a story on uh, called Closet Case, uh, with like sort of a boogeyman type thing in somebody's closet that I did for that contest. My God, I was writing a Smallville spec script. Anyway, there may be a couple more um, stories that I wrote for that. I I really enjoyed that process. And when that website went away, I want to say that it was called Horror Web or something like that. But when that went away, I was really bummed out. As you are, have, when you find something that inspires your creativity and then, you know, it's gone away. And I, I realize I've wasted your time with listing all these other Stories Because the difference between Doorstep Valentine and all of those others is that this isn't a horror story at all, right? I can't imagine a photograph like they had on their website that would have inspired this story. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's a mysterious package at somebody's doorstep and that's what you're supposed to be encouraged to write about. But I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I should look on my email and see if there are any references to... I wonder, how long do old emails stay? Do you know what I mean? Like, this would be... We're going on 20 years, right? Anyhow, I don't have a lot to say about Valentine's Day. It's not a holiday that I have many good memories of. I do remember one year buying flowers for the girls in my circle of friends. And I'm trying to remember if I included, like, a poem or a joke or, or a story or anything like that. But uh, I didn't write who gave the flowers. I think my buddy and I delivered them all on Valentine's Day. And uh, later, one of those girls thanked me for the flowers. And I said, what? Why? How? And she's like, because... I thought about who would have done that. And it was you were the only person that would have done that. And I thought that, that was neat. That's about it for Valentine's Day. It's just not a... It's track record is, is pretty bad. But once again, sometimes people will tell me their Valentine's Day stories. And they're heartwarming. Uh, I'm tempted to say, oh yeah, well you got one of the good ones. You know, that kind of thing. And so here I am sharing a story. For Valentine's Day. Now, granted, not a long story, or even a good story. My guess is, my buddy Ian, were he to read this story, would say, "Yeah, this story ends exactly where I want the story to begin," which is what happens when Cameron calls that telephone number. the The idea of running into somebody that knows you and you don't know them can be scary or can be funny or or can be erotic or can be puzzling. And every once in a while that does happen to me or somebody will recognize me and I don't know who they are. But usually they'll say something and I'll be like, yes, yes, okay, I know who this is. I don't know their name, but I know where I know them from. But this level of intimacy, I mean, I... If I were, if somebody put a gun to my head and said, well, you have to continue the story, and this was just the first chapter, I think I could probably write a five or six thousand word story about it. And I would probably say that she, what's her name? Annabeth is from a parallel universe or a parallel timeline where Cameron zigged when in his history, he zagged. You know, let's say that he had a bad experience at his last job, and he decided to quit. And if he hadn't quit, he would have met Annabeth and things would have changed. Or the opposite. In reality, he he just hated the idea of having to look for a new job. So he didn't quit. He stuck with it. And that was not the right decision. If he had quit, he would have met Annabeth at his next job or applying for a job or in, in line to pick up his unemployment check. Or someplace that he was because he, oh, I don't know. It, it it's hard. I talked about something similar to this a year or two ago, where the world that we live in, this can only work one way, where the 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 mysterious love, is a woman, and the ob- oblivious one is a man. Um, I mean, if 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 it's a a gay relationship then then it's fine either you know lesbians or two men but this story does not work the the continued version of this story does not work if it's a woman who's the main character Cameron I guess could be a a a girl's name right and some dude is sure that he knows her or has sent her pictures of him and her he sent her flowers and all that stuff it doesn't work I mean, you can talk all you want about how this world is sexist and everything is male dominated and it's a patriarchy and all that. But a lot of the way that our world works is, you know, we don't trust a man in the same way that we would trust a woman. In a situation like this, you would immediately insist that the guy is a crazed stalker or he knows how to use Photoshop and he's created in his mind this whole scenario where the two of them together and you need to call the police. There's no possible way that this can work. Romantically, if it's a woman and and a man, just because too many men are, are predators, too many men are, you know, obsessed with somebody that they see and it doesn't end well, or or you always have the fear that it wouldn't end well. And, and you know, a, a writer who is talented enough could do that. I mean, if I were a female writer who was talented, I think I could write a story about a lonely young woman who encounters a man who believes that he has a relationship with her. And it sounds romantic. It sounds intriguing. It sounds exciting. Instead of creepy or unsettling or something that you would see on lifetime movie channel. And because I'm not a woman, I, I, I you know I'm I'm not gonna bother giving it any more thought. The story this story, the next chapter, he calls her and she thinks that he's joking with her, ha ha ha. But he doesn't come right out and say, I don't have any idea who you are. But he tiptoes around it. He hints at it. He says a couple of things. He asks a couple of questions. And the answers that she gives seem like she knows him, seem like they are in a relationship, seem like she has genuine affection for him. And of course you would want to meet this person. Of course you would want to maybe observe her or talk to her more, Uh, find out just what is going on now. Now if this were real i guess the first thing that would hop into your mind is that she is crazy she is she has you know because 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 women do that too they imagine that they're in a relationship with so and so oh gosh i'm trying to remember there was a a movie where a woman had become obsessed with jesus i want to say mr darcy and decides to go over to england and I don't know. Mount Colin Firth. And I, you know, I remember years and years ago, a woman kept breaking into David Letterman's apartment or his house and would tell people, would tell the neighbors, would tell the police that she was his wife. And it was a story that people thought was funny. And David Letterman would make a couple of jokes from time to time about it. But if, if it were Ellen and there was a man, if it were Oprah and there was a man who insisted he was Oprah's husband and broke into the house, people wouldn't think that it was funny. Okay, so so Cameron goes and he observes this Annabeth woman. See, there's, there's a bunch of different place, ways that it could go. You know, it depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell. If you want to tell a story about... A lonely guy who finds love, the only explanation is that there's some kind of magic involved or some kind of supernatural thing going on. That's one possibility. But what if he's observing her and he's thinking, you know, I I, I like this girl. This this I think I'm going go to go approach this girl. And suddenly another Cameron Harrell steps up and embraces this girl and he sees himself, a different version of himself with this girl. Because that opens up other possibilities of what kind of story we're talking about. And it's like, what if Cameron is not in the world that he's supposed to be? What if Who are these people? You know, how long can he observe them without being noticed? And what happens when the two of them hear him, like, bump into a gumball machine and they turn and they look and they see him there? Maybe nothing. Maybe it's not a... Uh, all that good of a story at all. But it's something that uh, if you were, I keep using the words talented writer. Let me not use that. If you were inspired, if you really liked this idea, if you were willing to work to make the story function, I think it would make for a pretty cool story beyond just what I have read. I'm not sure that I'm the guy for that. Through the years, I have been assigned stories once or twice. Or, you know, somebody saying, I, I I want you to write a story about this, an assignment for class. I've actually been paid to write a couple of stories for people, but that doesn't usually happen. The idea of somebody saying, you know, here's a check for you to write this story you know, as a script or something like that. And we'll do it on... Where would you do something like this? you will do it on Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. I would give it a shot, I think. I like that image of him seeing himself embrace her. And it's definitely him. Wearing clothes that he doesn't recognize. Maybe his haircut he doesn't recognize. Maybe he's thinner. But it's him. What do you do? What would that make you think or wonder or feel? And what happens when those two notice you? What if they're not surprised at all? They see him and they're just like, ah, there he is. They get out their cell phones or something. I was like, who are they calling? I mean, it could end with the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers reaction, which is awful. Oh, my Lord. I don't know what I was going for when I wrote this story. But I feel, because of the length of the story, that it was complete, that it was done, that I was working toward the punchline of the fortune cookie having her telephone number on it. And, and, and you know, as a self-contained thousand-word story, yeah, that's fine. Definitely, I have room to grow and develop and get better as a writer. You can do that by uh, several different means. You can write for other people and do what you can to try to please them. You know, that causes you to think outside the box. You can write and then get constructive criticism from other people and say, okay, they didn't like this and they didn't like this. And, and They definitely didn't like this. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to see if I can. Although I guess that is the same thing, you know, writing to please other people. Uh, And another thing that you can do is write outside your comfort zone. I'm not good at romance. I'm not good at certain kinds of stories. And maybe that means I should write some of those. I should put more romance in my writing. Uh, when I wrote Into the Furnace, the longest work that I've written, there was a subplot about the boy, Chino, sort of having a romance with the sheriff's daughter. And I kept thinking, well, I, how much do I want to develop this? Do I want chapters that are only about those two getting together? And, and I, I ultimately didn't. There's one chapter in that book that's not from the sheriff's perspective. And I remember somebody telling me, "I, you get this one chapter and it sticks out like a sore thumb because everything else has been, well, consistent. And I think, you know, if I were to expand that novel, I definitely would do more with the daughter, give her more of her own life outside of what's going on with the sheriff. Uh, But then, yeah, you try and develop this burgeoning romance between the two of them. And how does it start? Are there progressions and then retreats and, you know, they get off on the wrong foot and later that's fine. As it stands, we just see their romance through the eyes of the sheriff. And so it doesn't matter how they got together. It doesn't matter what the spark was. All that matters is that he looks and he's like, hey, is there something going on with them? And then he looks again, and it's like, definitely those two are into each other. Oh my goodness, how did this happen? And because it's from that limited point of view, you're free, you're fine, not knowing. I mean, he could ask one of them what happened, and then the audience finds out. But that wasn't the story that I was telling. I guess this is a tangent, but I'm just trying to think of romance and how it could work or not work. Okay, well, something to think about. And I realized that even though this is a podcast that dares not speak its name, Fake Sean Connery has has gone. He's left. And dang it, this was his idea. This was his fault that I'm doing this episode at all. And I almost feel like this was like a cruel prank. Not just on me, but on you as well. Dang it, Fake Sean Connery. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. I try to say it in every single episode, but sometimes it's hard. And I, I see YouTube videos and I hear other people's podcasts and they always have the set, you know, like and subscribe, ring the bell, that horseshit. And I struggle against that, but I ought to recognize that I appreciate everybody that listens and that I appreciate those that support me on Patreon in every episode. I really do. And uh, the whole setup of Connery waking me is a joke. Obviously, right? It's actually 2.02 a.m. right now. I recorded Doorstep Valentine, and then I was going to get ready for bed. And then I was like, no, let me just record an episode around it, a bookend. And so, yeah, now it's late at night. And the reason I tell you that is I do it because there are people who enjoy or have told me that they enjoy my podcasts. They enjoy my stories. They enjoy my attempts at humor. And so if you enjoy that stuff, let me know. And there will be more. Really. That's it. This episode has gone on long enough. The story was only a thousand words long. I hope your Valentine's Day was not putrid. And, uh, good night. The podcast that dares not speak its name is still produced under a Creative Commons attribution or no derivatives license, which makes it free to listen to, share, and poke fun at. But the podcast cannot be altered or sold. However, there is a Patreon fund set up for this show wherein you can donate a dollar an episode, and up, to keep it going. Oh, and thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for his music. Now there's a real man. This is Fake Sean Connery, and you are listening to the podcast that dares not oh did you hear that I lost internet damn it listen to the way you delivered that line Keanu Reeves could have delivered it more Keanu Reeves could have delivered it more damn it I can't do it Keanu (laughs) that's a hard thing to say in his voice Keanu Reeves could have delivered it more naturally and people that I grew up with, people that I, you know, slept over at their house, or played, I almost said played Barbies. Go ahead, say it. No, I i meant like, you know, played board games or something. You meant Barbies. Gus supervised the sailors as they brought in all the pontoons. <clears throat> I'm going to get a drink. Give me just a second. Oh, I had refilled my drink. I'm brilliant.